Hello and welcome to episode 134 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Rod Murray in charge of the remote control as we break with tradition this week and fall in line with the crowd to discuss the thing that everybody else is also talking about, the Netflix show Full Swing. Now normally our agenda here only lines up with the hot take brigade around major time, but given that we have among our number a card-carrying member of the, is it the Movie Reviewers Guild? <laughs> Association? Sure. sure. Yes, that's it. It seemed remiss <laughs> not to put that otherwise questionable asset to use. So in another break with tradition, I get to say Adrian Logue along in just a moment. But first, let me introduce my co-host on this audio adventure, Golf Australia Magazine Deputy Editor and Digital Editor Jimmy Emanuel. This Jimmy feels a bit like that Seinfeld episode, The Bizarro World. You host the new Golf Australia Playing from the Tips podcast where I'm a guest, which is bizarre for me. And now today, we've got Logue being a guest, even though he's normally a co-host. I can't keep up. I'm already confused. Yeah, me too. I, yeah. I don't think I it's going to get any I haven't seen the show, so it's only going to get worse. It's, so it's just more Logue. It's more Logue. Nothing but Logue. Can I say... To start off as well, I'm now a proud follower of Talk GC after I entered the Live Golf portal as to which team I should follow. I don't know why, but apparently I support Talk GC now. So, Oh, Talk as in T-O-R-Q-U-E. Who's, sure. on, the, who's on Talk GC? Joaquin Neiman. I think they prefer Talk A. Talk A. Mm. I don't know. Do you just get assigned a team if you're logging yeah, in? Is that you, how it works? Yeah, you, you, get to... you, you pick your pattern of golf shirt, you pick your type of celebration, and suddenly you're a fan of a team. Yeah. We're laughing about that, but... There might be something in that. We, might talk, we yeah. might talk about that uh, a little bit later on. But for the moment, let's turn now to our co-host turned guest, Adrian Logue, whose excellent review of the Netflix series appeared on the Golf Australia website last week. Highly recommended reading. Logue, welcome. <laughs> You're not going to make this treating me as a guest thing a thing. No, this is it. Okay. This is your time, unless we do something on watches. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all right. Let's there's a whole episode about watches. You'll be doing this again. But yeah, it's bizarro world. Up is down, left is right. Okay. Uh, full swing. What's the point of it? I think the from the very start, their stated objective in the background was to do something similar to for golf, what Drive to Survive did from well, This has sort of become the catch cry of all sports, hasn't it? This Drive to Correct. Survive. Now, we've all got a – it used to be we've got a T20 this game. Now, we've got a Drive to Survive this game. Is that what's happening? That That is mm. what's happening. I mean, if it's not the primary objective, it's certainly a peripheral objective. And uh, in, in my review, I conclude that, you know, is this going to achieve that? Is it is it going to attract a non-golfer audience? Or at least is it going to be interesting for golfers to watch? And Tough scene. Two by completely some other different measure. audiences, aren't they? Completely, completely different, different audiences. audiences. Yeah, as a, which is a, a theme you like to return to again and again. Do non-golfers get golf to the extent that they can even bear to watch it at all, mm. really? Like is the, the only way you can watch golf is if you actually know what's at stake. Um, and the checkers and chess thing, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Perhaps. Golf is kind of the chess of the sports world and most sports are sort of the checkers where it's fairly easy to understand what's going on and the intricate stuff. It appeals to a certain percentage of people, but it's never going to appeal as many people as checkers. That's my thoughts on it. And I think test cricket is one of those. Five days and all – and people who are into it love the nuance. And I think golf is a similar – or professional golf is a similar thing. But golf has another element, which is the people who just play either socially or in their club comps who don't have any interest in the professional game. So it's a really complex one. I think mm-hmm. more complex than F1. Much more complex. And, and that's really the starting point for my thinking on this series. After seeing it or going into it, my – understanding of the challenge was that the golf is so much more complicated than F1. F1's extremely tidy, 
20 uh, something weeks of sport, mostly with most of the drama contained in a relatively small paddock uh, that they've got unfettered access to, and only 20 main competitors and half a dozen or so peripheral personalities, and uh, more or less a chronological season with that culminates in an easy-to-understand championship. So it makes sense, unlike golf. <laughs> and golf, on the other hand, is, uh, you know, every week, I mean, from we've got that playing from the Tips podcast, there's five or six tournaments we've got to we cover. We don't even cover them all. Yeah, we don't cover them all. That's just the major tours. Um, and then there's secondary tours. And across those five or six tournaments, you've got literally, you know, a thousand or so players. Um, and at any given week, any of those thousand could win, almost. It, it's It's just not as isolated as you'd like. And so if you're covering a whole year of golf and actually cursed with unfettered access where every single tour is putting their hand up saying, yeah, we'll give you all the access you like, then you've got all of this choice. And if you stuff up the choice, uh, what are you going to focus on? Then you haven't really got a show uh, unless you've got unlimited cameras and then you shoot like Hundreds of hours, hundreds of thousands of hours of footage. You need unlimited editing time. You need need unlimited unlimited editors to cut it all down. To to extract a story out of it. So you've got to focus on some individuals and follow them around and get some off-course stuff in hotel interviews and follow them in their cars and that sort of thing or in the locker room and uh, hope that you can build a narrative around those players. Um, But those players might not perform that year. You might get lucky they might perform but it's still hard to carve out a season-long narrative around a player when golf has so many sort of cyclical highs and lows. Like, a player can be more or less in obscurity for half the season and be a superstar for the other half of the season. Scotty Scheffler last year. Yeah. Wins his first tournament, then wins his second, third and fourth, and the fourth one being the Masters. Yeah. And leaps to world number one. Who would have, If you were making that documentary last year, who would have picked Scotty Scheffler in January? To follow as one of the players. You never would have, would you? So No, that's right. And so the conceit of my review is asking this question, is golf impossible to cover in this format, um, at least to the same level of interest as Drive to Survive, where there's there's drama very evident in every single episode where you see play or you see the main characters interacting with each other week in, week out because they have to. They're all there in the same paddock and they pass each other all the time and you've got teammates who the who are the fiercest of rivals and uh, team politics and team bosses who are fascinating. Whereas golf, they're just these lone wolves in their own bubble and they spend the whole year pretty much isolated from everybody else apart from the most banal sort of interactions that they have with their other players where they, they give these bro high fives as they pass each other outside the scorer's hut or they make some smart-ass comment over breakfast in the clubhouse. But that's about it. There's no... There's very op- very little opportunity for true needle and real rivalry in golf because they and very rarely clash right. on course as well. We saw true rivalry last week with the whole tampon incident, didn't we? That's how that's what the golf bro culture at that level really is, and they're not going to do that on television or show that. So you're only left with the banal, daunting task you would think to produce a series like this. It sounds one of those things. It sounds like a great idea, but once you get started, I would imagine that. And if they fail at it, had- is it their fault or is it golf's fault? Um, is it even a fault? No, nobody, nobody is a fault. It's, it's still a very entertaining show, mm. and you know we can get in. Jimmy's Jimmy's seen the whole thing. I don't. I don't believe you've I, seen it. Right? But 
I'm not sure I'm the target market, but it's not my kind of thing. I'm not a. I'm not a. I might get around. I, I watched anything. Any moving pictures on no, screen not may not I, be your market. I watched. I think half of one episode of that Drive to Survive, and it just didn't sort of grab me. I mean, so our golf is interesting, even necessarily. The game attracts people. It's a solo pursuit. Doesn't necessarily attract people who are interesting anyway, in that sort of sense. But Jimmy, one of the things I keep seeing bobbing up on social media is golfers complaining about having the cut explained to them constantly. Crystallizes the problem that the producers have got, isn't it? Golf is just not easy to understand. You can't explain it in three minutes to a non-golfer. Yeah, correct. I mean, the to give this show some interest and depth is to explain that these guys aren't getting paid unless they play the weekend and make the cut and everything like that. Quite true anymore. But not quite true anymore <laughs> for everyone. But those things that that these guys, you know, their their livelihood depends on their performance. Now, that's true in all professional sport, but more so in golf than anywhere else. To get that across, you have to explain, you know, a cut and you have to explain the scoring system. And, you know, the players are going to use words that we use every day in golf that people just don't understand. So you have to explain it if you want it to be appealing beyond golf. So that's always the problem is if you're trying to produce something that golfers will find interesting and non-golfers will find interesting, you have to not dumb down, but you have to give a base level of golf knowledge and so they're going to have to do it, and they're going to have to do it in every episode, pretty much, because that's how things work. People don't watch every single episode of something, you know. People might just hear about one episode about one player. You know, Rory McIlroy is a feature of one episode. He's someone who non-golfers will know. So, I'll oh, watch that. So, they need then the refresher course. So, that's probably a fault of golfers that, oh, you know, why do we have to be explained the thing we already know about? So, well, I'm sure those same people watched... Some of them watched Drive to Survive, and there was basic explanations of DRS, and yeah, elements of F one that they wouldn't have known otherwise. Mm. So that's part of golf's problem in these things is, oh well, I already know it, so everyone should. And everybody knows about tire strategy now in F one, yeah, and DRS, right. and yeah. you know, pit stop strategy, and undercutting, and overcutting, yeah. and all of those strategies, and and they're there. Not everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but they're there. You're for, the son of a tire man. They're there for people to appreciate. I think there's, a, and this goes. There's a very good review by Jeff Shackelford where he talks about how full swing is a little bit not as risky as some of what Netflix's original productions are, where they they don't try and explain the whole thing to you. There's a little less exposition in stuff. And I, I think of something like, and it's completely different production companies and even you know different different narrative format, but um, something like The Queen's Gambit, which had a lot of chest nerdery in there. Like the games that they played in the in the Queen's Gambit were actual games that they've plucked from history and they, they were replaying the games. If you examine the chess pieces on the board, you can see you can find those actual moves in games that were played between grandmasters. No one else is doing that for you. <laughs> no, trust me, a lot of people are doing I that. Imagine. Well, people um, like, oh, lots of people would have yeah, been doing that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they they didn't really – there's a little bit of exposition, but there's also some really clever stuff. Like, you know, they have – she walks past a chessboard one time and just casually looks at a game and they ask her for her opinion on it. And within a couple of seconds, she assesses it and goes, oh, it's a typical Karo Khan middle game. You've got this advantage here. That pawn structure is better. And like that didn't have any. It wasn't a piece of exposition. She didn't explain that Karo Khan's an opening and that you know it, what sort of structure it is. It was really good. It trusted the audience to be intelligent enough to understand or to catch up eventually with what's going on. And for the people that already understand it, they get a little yeah, jolt of adrenaline out of that because they know it. Yeah, yeah they're part of the I, club. I feel like golf could have done that with this. Is um, it too ambitious, Logue, to try to pr- create something 
for both golfers and non-golfers? Are the two audiences, in fact, so separate that you can't produce something that will cross over for, without annoying both of them in some way? Well, the great hope is that you can do it because it's been proven in a sport like F1, which is a pretty technical sport. But I think the where golf fails, and this is where I think it's golf's fault and not necessarily the producers of the Netflix show, is that with F1, the actual broadcast product that the sport produces is really tight and easy to understand. And everybody who you've seen in the Netflix series, you're going to see them on the coverage. They're going to interview Toto Wolff and Christian Horner and Gunter Steiner and and all of the drivers and everybody. Every, every week or every other Every week, single week. No, they will get them every week. <laughs> like they, they go around the whole thing. And uh, if you watch this Netflix series on golf, Full Swing, you get this fantastic episode on Joel Damon, but then and you go, great, I'm a Joel Damon fan, but then you go and turn on the PGA Tour and you could watch the whole year and get Never like seen. one minute of yeah. Joel Damon maybe. If he contends in a tournament, you'll get a good couple of hours of him. Um, but otherwise, you, you're sort of scrolling down in the app and finding him on the leaderboard and going, oh, Joel Damon didn't really contend this week. Is that what I'm looking at here? Like, they're just not it's, – it's lacking that follow-through because I think these shows will be more and more tightly coupled to the institutions that run the sports. It'll be This will be part of covering the sport is having one of these reality shows going at the same time. Uh, and it's going to be difficult for golf to – to pull that off ongoing, I think. I feel like that's probably why they use Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas in the first episode, right? Because they are recognisable beyond, and they're going to play they're good golf. going to be in contention. They're going to play good Jay golf. They're going to be covered regardless. Yeah. They're going to be covered, and they're going to be there. And then, But I think that they obviously didn't know it at the time when they started. Rumours were around and stuff. But it's more so that now that some of the players featured, like Brooks Kepka, won't be playing in PJ Tour events. So... You know, someone if they driving people to live. Well, that, well, but someone who watches it and goes, oh, "I like that guy. I want to watch how he's going." And they turn on the PJ Tour and go, "Where, where is he? Where is he?" That's the, um, that's the problem. Like yeah, it doesn't it doesn't tie yeah. into the broadcast. Yeah, he's, he's playing the international series, Oman, <laughs> isn't everybody? Yeah, yeah. It. I think that's sort of, and that's not again not their fault. There's nothing that's they just, can do about that. No. no. Yeah, I, I spoke to someone who watched a little bit of it, complete non-golfer. Um, and sort of watched it and just said struggled to get into it. There wasn't enough that grabbed them to Well, the personalities bring it aren't that engaging, are they? The truth no. is they're just not. No. Who's the most interesting person in golf to listen to talk? Well, I think most of us would think it was somebody who talks interestingly about golf. Probably Rory. Maybe. And, and honestly, there's mixed reviews on the Rory episode for some reason that I don't understand because I thought it was fantastic. Um, like he really bounces off the screen and – there's well, an he's excitement. A, he's an entertainer, isn't he? There's an excitement about it, and you're hanging on every word, or at least I was. Um, but there's uh, people are saying, oh, look, it was all a bit stitched together because Rory was a last minute signing. Apparently, they they got him at the at the um, Open Championship. They just started following him, saying, "We're going to start filming you because we feel like you're going to win this week." Oh, yeah, and, and you can, <laughs> if you're happy with it, you can sign off later. Um, and, of course, he didn't win, but by that time he was on board and then they did get a lot of footage of him at the Tour Championship and they made a really exciting episode out of it, I thought. Um, I asked a question in the in the review, why didn't they put that episode first and understand now that that's kind of stupid because they they didn't really have him at the start. So, And the only thing they had of him was the Tour Championship, so it sort of made sense that they yeah. put it at the end. 
but interestingly, they did swap the first two episodes. Um, I think that's worth discussing um, because the Brooks Kepka episode was superb. Yeah, I think we it's all very agree. good. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and generally, people agree with that. It showed a vulnerability and a side of Brooks Kepka that we haven't seen. Some people claim it was all a performance, but I don't see how it could have been. With that much footage that they would have shot, they would have got the vulnerable I think it, bits. I think it proves that a lot of Brooks's public persona is normally a performance. Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. Because it's alpha so, that I don't so care about contrast. golf, and you know, it's yeah. just my job is not true. Yeah, and people around golf have known that for a long time, uh, and that actually shows that this is a guy who cares and wants to get better and play better. And when he was struggling in that year, was so frustrated and so vulnerable by that. And it's um, you can be that without caring about golf, though, can't you? I've always thought Kepka's just personally driven. Golf happens to be the vehicle he's good at. And so, therefore, the golf's not really that important. It's just the thing that he does to compete against the others. His personal preference, he said it, would have been to be a baseballer, but he wasn't good enough. Golf, he's good enough. Proper sport. Yeah, but... Yeah, that's yeah, right. They, right? They, they get him have, with the audio of saying that, like, mm. oh, this is... It's almost like a proper sport. Mm. But that, that, that's amazing. That, that concept, I think, is... I don't think he's a lover... Put it this way. I don't think he's a lover of the game. He's not Clates. He's not going to be in his 60s playing golf every day. Now, not well, many are, but I, d- I don't think he's got that. Boo Weekly's another one. Made think, his money. Done. I think we make that assumption. But to be a, a golfer at that level, you have to have played a crazy amount of golf for your whole life. Mm-hmm. He comes from a family that loves golf, that lived in Florida playing golf every day. This guy played golf every day as a kid like everyone else. His dad taught him to wipe the sand off his putter face. Yeah, that's right. Before the, every putt. Yeah. The, that was so, <laughs> like, there's, I, I might be wrong, but I, that's always he, what I've He's gone. Kept like, that. if he didn't care about playing the game and getting better. He doesn't go to Europe and play the Challenge Tour as a young guy, and he doesn't do that. 100% no, because Mm. these guys, if they're- Not sure if I believe that necessarily. It's a path towards wherever you're trying to get to. I think there's a lot of professional golfers who actually don't love the game, and I think he's- Oh, I I agree with that, that they don't love playing the game as, you know, whatever. Personally, I don't love playing golf so much anymore because I've spent my whole time around, my whole life around it, but there's there's been a drive to be a- best mm. golfer there mm. and an obsession with golf whether it's an obsession with you know the game in the same way that Clates is no but an obsession with the game of golf and part of I think to his own sort of way of thinking to make him as good as he can be and as, and better than the rest is to I don't care about it and give this level of bravado that's not there you look at his brother like it wasn't uh, I think it was Liv did something last year with him and Chase and, you know, Brooks says, oh, yeah, I don't even carry my own yardage book. I don't do any of that. You know, Ricky Elliott does all of it for me and just tells me. And Chase is there doing his pins the morning before. And he's going through at night about what clubs I hit where and whatever. That's just different approaches. That could be everywhere. Like, I, I think I think it does pull back the veil on what Brooks kept careers very, very well in that episode of Full Swing. Mm-hmm. Because you see, he cares. He's at home in his, ha- in his ridiculous house. <laughs> Drinking, but with the putting coach sitting on the floor behind him with a sand putt lap hitting putts. Like, that's that's what golfers do. Mm. They grab the – as soon as they can, they grab a putter and there's a carpet and they start hitting putts. Yeah. If you don't love golf and you've already made all that money, you, you don't do that. You, that's good. And he's clearly obsessing about golf all the time. He's like, thinking about it all the time. He's, there's that great scene where he's sitting on the, the sex swing, I guess it is. <laughs> it's a even fluffy, I might watch this episode. <laughs> there's a, it's a fluffy swing it's in just, the middle yeah. of their living room. And Jenna's talking about her wardrobe or something. like, And he just is a million miles away. I think he might be playing with a plushie toy or something like playing that. Playing with a dog toy. 
Yeah, and he's just looking far away, thinking about his golf game. <laughs> yeah, it, he's he's every golfer in his wife, now wife, then at the time, <laughs> just such a great. He's talking to him about something about I think it's about the wedding, yeah, or about right. like they're packing yeah. to go somewhere. And he is just thinking about his golf game. Yeah. There is nothing else going through sitting his mind. Sitting on the plushy yeah, swing. sitting on this big ridiculous uh, swing that yeah. you're like, why is that in the house? And he's just well, there thinking think about <laughs> thinking about his golf swing, about his golf game. And it's like it's fascinating to it, see. It was great. That's a great scene. And is it interesting to a non-golfer? Well, that stuff is like because I think that's the sort of stuff that I found incredibly interesting in the F1 series. Like I'm, I'm just fascinated with Toto Wolf now, and. The scenes where he had clearly forgotten the cameras around, and he's ordering his breakfast pumpernickels with the most fastidious in the most fastidious way possible. Uh, th- that stuff I find just fascinating. Um, but uh, and I think that a lot of the Brooks Kepka episode was full of those sort of moments where he was off guard, uh, and that that's the stuff that this sort of format can do well. And somebody with the size of Netflix can get the access that eventually leads to those sort of moments which differentiates it from like a YouTube series that No Laying Up or somebody or Scratch or somebody could do where they follow a player around for a week. I think it produces kind of 95% the mm. same result. Yeah. Like the Joel Damon's episode, I really feel like that just could have been a No Laying Up Netflix. Uh, yeah. Sorry, No Laying Up YouTube but uh, I think, episode. I think a lot of the stuff about Joel is interesting that you get just talking to him. Yeah. like he's which, a- which No Laying Up could get and yeah. put it on YouTube. And, and yeah. maybe put as much love into the production of it as Netflix does. Uh, yeah, I mean, without I, having to follow him around for a whole year. You watch, you watch the Joel Damon episode, and if you're in golf, you've you would have heard that Joel Damon's a different character, and Gino Benali is his caddy and a really interesting guy, and whatever. And you probably heard the story. It feels that episode as if. The Netflix guys went out to, oh, yeah, we're going to do one with him. And as he started talking, they were like, oh, this guy's more interesting than we realised. Let's just park a camera in front of him and get him to talk about it. And he talks about having cancer as a young guy and all that sort of stuff. And it's a fascinating story. But I think you're right. That didn't need following him around necessarily for a whole period. And it's not aligned with the overall objective of the show. Like, And people might hate what I'm saying here because they love Joel Damon and they love that episode. And me too. Yeah. I really like Joel Damon. I really like that episode. But I just don't think... It's worthy of this platform mm. of, of, because it's not achieving that overall objective of bringing people, non-golfers, into the game. And because that is the stated overall objective well, of the show, is it's, it? It's, like I said at the start, if it's not the primary objective, it was certainly – it's going to be a big measure of success because it has to be because in the end this is going to come down to some Netflix algorithm about subscriber churn or something or like how many weeks it stays on top. And for it to be in the top of those Netflix ratings – uh, for a sustained period of time, it's going to have to attract a non-golf audience of millions and millions of people in order for it to be renewed. Um, and well, time will tell. So if that isn't the objective, it, you know, people might watch it for this series and get super interested in Joel Damon, but then they're going to swap to the PGA Tour coverage and not find Joel Damon and then be disillusioned in season two of this show. And you won't... Is there a season, season two? Three, something like that. Well... I- they're filming at the moment. Is that right? But it could be... I mean, who knows? They're filming under the assumption that they'll be allowed to keep filming and do a season two. But I think when the Raiders come in, they'll be either shut down or they'll be allowed to continue. And I I think season two has the potential to have more diverse interest because this was all going on as Liv and everything was kicking off. So you've got an episode with Ian Poulter where he won't answer whether he's going or not. But then it sort of shows that he does go. But you don't actually get much out of Ian about... 
is he going to go, yes, I'm going, here's why. It's just this sort of build to this is this thing happening. And it it probably only scratches the surface of what that is and what the drama is um, because of just the timing of filming and everything like that. So well, if you want to interest non-golfers, the Live versus PGA Tour thing is clearly the way to do it. 100%. And, that, and that's these people news. that I've spoken <laughs> to, who, non-golfers who've watched it, and they sort of say, oh, I, I get understand Saudi involvement in sport from other sports that I'm interested in. So I don't need a deep dive on that. You know, I've watched stuff about FIFA, all that sort of stuff. I get that. Um, but the rivalry element that it's created is the more interesting part. Well, McElroy Reed in the desert this year. Yeah, I mean, if you if you mm-hmm. if you are so rare though, isn't it? Oh, in golf? It almost unheard. Of. It's, it's so almost it's every week in F one. Yeah, is, right. is incredibly rare in yeah. golf. Like maybe three or four times a career in, yeah. in a whole career. When decades did Nicholson and Woods long. go head to head? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, M- multiple Woods and Ernie. In career. In fact, probably the best Woods and Ernie. Well, there were two of them. There was the one at Hawaii when they played the tournament of champions and went to a playoff, and then the Presidents Cup that they tied. Yeah. And I feel like it doesn't always have to be like that. Like this is much a commentary on what's broken about golf. As, as it is... Well, that's the idea of living, to challenge. try and produce that. If you reduce exactly. the size of the field, you get Dustin versus Brooks more often. Yeah, that's, that's what okay. they're if, hoping if for. If golf was a constrained season, mm. not sort of smooshed across the whole year, but if the premier tour in the world was something that was in a fairly constrained season of, let's say, 20 weeks, including the majors, and you had guaranteed that the top 50 players in were going to be in those events every week, and then, you know, another... 50, 70, 80 players on top of that, then, uh, you know, you'd, you'd have something. I think. Yeah. Uh, and especially if it had an off-season, I think that's super important oh, as well. You could have – you could, mm. and, and the team element would be good as well because, again, in F1, they – you know, they have a little bit of interaction between the teams, but by far the most drama is within the teams. It's internal, yeah. yeah. And golfers are, are so, like, chummy-chummy within their teams, it's like – it just doesn't work. Need to. What was the great quote about the President's Cup from Mark Alcovecchio? Why do I want to fly halfway across the world to play against the bloke that lives next door? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is actually also true of the Ryder Cup. That's so good. Yeah, yeah that's so right. I mean, that's like it's Rory McIlroy is the standout European player. He lives, yeah, in, lives Florida. in Florida. Like yeah. they all do. Yeah. Like, I think it was um, – They used the big, the big lettering across the screen whenever they're going to Florida, Jupiter, Florida, or something like that, as if it's a – an incredibly exotic place. <laughs> I think the the team thing, and yeah, that's that's uh, we've discussed it before. That's where Liv has this thing that uh, it's interesting. And this this Netflix show ties into that. That you need something else. You know, you need Liv because that keeps them out of their bubble. Right? Yeah, well, uh, Liv Liv could tie into being like professional wrestling on TV, where you've got the factions, and then one of each goes head to head, and then there's internal fighting. Yeah, you you because you can't professional wrestling's allegedly not real. I don't know about that. But <laughs> you don't have the main guys from these two factions fight every single TV show because it's boring. It's that they have certain styles and it's not, you have guys from within fight and then you have infighting one week to they create- They send in proxies and stuff. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Like it's, So that's where you've got team in live could be that way of, you know, you've got guys going against each other, but it's still rooted in normal golf. So you how long before you're so far from golf that it's actually got nothing to do with golf anymore, which you could make that case for professional golf almost as it is. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, professional golf so far from removed from how mm. everyone else plays the game anyway, right? So is that a bad thing? No, I'm not, I don't know whether it's good or bad. I just wonder. 
And this, you can dream up a world where you say, hey, if we did this, we had a 20-week season and the players were guaranteed and all this would happen, then that might be true. But is that actually what you want? One you, of need, the, you need something where the success well, of one player well, damages the success of do another you? player. Golf's pretty, well, I have to say golf's pretty successful. To create that. Without any of that. To create that friction. Like the, the Frenemies episode is the first one where it's JT and, and Jordan. And nobody's believing that they're actually there's the enemies part of the frenemies thing. No, we've seen the media. It tries tries to play up that Spieth doesn't hang around when JT wins the PGA or or Thomas doesn't hang around. It's like it's so inauthentic. Not Ricky Fowler. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, that that episode kind of that left a bit of a bad taste of we're trying to make golf more appetising to people outside, and it's a couple of young white guys playing thousand dollar games of guesser guesser playing card on a private jet and it's like what a stupid game by the way I yeah, didn't really understand yeah, what that but was once you get to a certain amount of money there's only <laughs> stupid games left isn't there like, well that's right but <laughs> that that just kind of went oh yeah we're not what everyone thinks we are actually here's here's an example of exactly what everyone thinks we are and it's <laughs> that, that they're younger and cooler in inverted commas to, than what people think they wear are. their caps backwards yeah that's the idea is that these the guys are cool caps, yeah timeless caps yeah, yeah but that's right caps. they yeah. wear their approved caps backwards yeah so well that was the other thing watching with a friend that first episode and every time they're at home not playing in their sponsored hats and Thomas has got an American flag hat on and then his dad's wearing a USA hat and she was just like yeah we get it you're American what is that about it's very it's very much tied into that sort of thing they all which, dress terribly oh the golfers yeah they just all wear their golf gear. Paul, Paul's when- wardrobe. Oh. That was out of control. Oh. Episode three's Ian Poulter. Like, and I think that's the point at which a lot of non-golfers would tune out. Um, be, because, again, it's it's also going to suffer from the Joel Damon issue where you're going to tune in and find Ian Poulter's not contending every week. Um, and... You know they've, they've obviously gotten him in there because he's a personality, quote unquote. He's a peacock, isn't he? He's a yeah. perfect performer. If you were filming TV and you had to do golfers, you're going, oh, let's get Ian Poulter. He's interesting at least. Yeah, and there's talk he sort of um, charmed his way into the series as well by just sort of doesn't hate being on putting camera. himself in mm. front of them all the time and eventually sort of saying, Look, you know, really, I'll be good for you. I've got a big social media following. I'm going to bring an audience to this. Uh, and then he really does his um, his whole act. He does his whole act in this episode. I found it intensely boring. And then he's has a good has a good locker room explosion though, where he just throws stuff around the room. Believable was that staged or something? I don't know. It looked that no, way. it looked real because the, false the camera comes him. running when it's like someone's clearly gone. Oh, he's going off in there, and they only catch the end of it. Um, it just shows how desperate they were to have him. Playing, got showing playing golf. That the the tournament they for him that they focused on was one where he just lost two matches in the match play. Yeah, and just yeah, and went home. Yeah. And I, I just love that he also they spent five minutes in his uh, wardrobe. It's because ridiculous of my wardrobe yep. packing for the PGA or was it the US, PGA. Uh, packing for PGA. the PGA? Um, where he you know he scripted himself out for four days and then you know of course he only played for two days. So. <laughs> That's Do you reckon he wears the other stuff on Saturday and Sunday regardless, or does right. he save it for a... He, uh, no, yes. I, well, I'm going to give you an insight. Maybe, because he even, doesn't have any other clothes. Even Mike Clayton, who carries the clothes to caddy for Elvis Smiley, when Elvis misses a cut, Clayton doesn't wear his golf clothes. I saw him in jeans and a T-shirt at Bonnie Doon on, last Sunday. Did he have the load look going? Yeah, it was close to the log look. So where did he, where did he get the log look from? Well, the log oh. look comes from <laughs> Angus and Grace go golfing. 
<laughs> but he did actually have his Angus and Grace Go Golfing bucket hat on, which and he wore all last week. So just, are they the sponsors of this episode? They are indeed the sponsors oh. of this episode. And last episode? Let me guess. Are they going to be on next episode too? They could be, if they, they like how this goes. They're sponsoring the Australian Golf Passport Show, which is a really good show and you should go and have a yeah, listen to. But but my, uh, good on them. So Angus and Grace Go Golfing, uh, a Sydney-based golf clothing boutique in William Street, Paddington. But- Mike Clayton had known about Angus and Grace Go Golfing. Does he know he's endorsing Angus and Grace on this episode? He he yelled at anyone at Bonnie Doon about how good it is. So he went with That's Elvis. An, that is a legitimate endorsement. He went with, Clayton likes it. Yeah, he went with Elvis to go check it out, and he bought himself a rain jacket, one of which I already have. That's so cool, that rain jacket. Yeah. And it's then, like a high-fashion garbage yeah. bag. Yeah, and then he bought... <laughs> A hat, and he bought. Maybe they won't be on board next week after all. <laughs> well, so he bought a couple of things, and then just came over and started yelling at me while I was standing in the clubhouse at Bonnie Doon about how good it was, and I was wearing the clothes at the time, and then was just telling everyone and anyone to go over there. Matt Goggin went over there in the afternoon, had a look around, and Australian made, high quality fabrics, outstanding stuff, particularly the Good Earth cotton polos that are. Actually, uh, I think Did Japanese. Did you some homework to find out some more about that? And have you done it? Yes. I had dinner with Matt last night and two <laughs> golf professionals from Sleepy Hollow Golf Club in New York. Okay. Uh, and you considered that homework? Yes, I did. Right. Yeah. And did you come away with any information or just a full belly? Uh, <laughs> well, I can tell you that the Good Earth Cotton is the world's first climate positive traceable cotton program. Mm. And I really do want to know more about that. Oh, okay. Genuinely. I will there's genuinely a, do a little there's bit. There's a lot of buzzwords right. going on there, but what does that actually mean? <laughs> well, it's a program of modern regenerative farming and practices and principles. You don't even sound like you're reading. You've really mastered <laughs> that, that art. focused on elevating the role of the farmer. Terrific. Tell us what it's about next to episode, achieve climate-positive outcomes for the global textile industry. I will, I will get Matt Burns, owner of Angus and Grace Go Golfing, to give Let's me- Let's record a piece with him. Yeah. And we can play it in the sound. show next yeah, time. So he can but explain it. Angus and Grace Go Golfing is uh, their handle on Instagram, also the website as well. And if you happen to see Golf Daddy out yes. in the wild, those hats, the Golf Daddy hats as worn by Georgie Parker, not a brand ambassador. Madison uh, De Rosario, a Paralympian. They all had them on last that week. That is a sub-brand of Angus and Grace Go Golfing. You can get your Golf Daddy hats exclusively from Angus and Grace Go Golfing. Yes. Now? Can I do it now? Yes. Okay, I'm going to do it now. I won't really. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> uh, back to this sort of Netflix thing. I'm, if, you, if you pull out, Logue, you, you, you zoom out and look at this in the big picture of golf, a couple of questions. Why do we need to try and drive to survive golf? Mm-hmm. Does professional golf need that? You're trying to make something that's not there. So so yep. my nemesis, Gillis, wrote something really interesting in the newsletter <laughs> the other week about rugby. And it was a column that someone had written, like a rugby store, about going to the rugby and being horrified because the crowds were really good and it was fantastic. Everyone's pumping up. It was great. Lots of people going to the rugby. And he was horrified that people weren't watching the rugby. And Gillis's point was the marketers have spent so much time marketing the event and almost trying to hide the sport. Golf is guilty of that, mm-hmm. is it not? And is that not what this is? And does that not automatically, uh, in some ways, put golfers off? Yeah. There's a real participation mm-hmm. element to golf which other sports don't have. Most of the people in a rugby crowd don't play rugby. Most of the people in a golf crowd are watching to play the game. Well, th- again, I, I think this series, if it, if it isn't going to be attractive to non-golfers, at least has to be – giving something to golfers that they find entertaining. And I I think as a golfer, anybody who 
more or less followed the PGA Tour for the last year and professional golf in general, wouldn't have learnt anything new at all out of this whole thing. So that's because they've split their focus, I think. But it was there was a nice sort of reminiscing sense to it. And I, I genuinely think for golfers, it was probably a good watch. Like yeah. it was, it was entertaining, even though you, you probably didn't learn anything new. And it had a few of those moments, like with Brooks. Kepler, we don't that, learn anything new general. about the Masters in the previews every year either. But you read them religiously because exactly. it's fantastic. They're exactly. like old slippers. Exactly. They love to go and put them on again and retell the stories and hear them again. That's right. But so for that non-golfer audience, um, how, is it important? To any sport, is it important to golf? Yeah, it's got to be tremendously important to golf, but I think golf needs a little bit of fixing first to make- Golf or to professional golf? Professional golf, So sorry. what role does professional, professional golf actually have it in need- the promotion and growth of the the game of golf as we might be involved in it? And that's an important question. Yeah, it's the, it's the cover. It's the front-facing, it's the face of golf to non-golfers. Uh, it's the entry point. And I think it's tremendously I, important. See, I'm not sure about that. No, I think it is. And I, 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 I think, think at so. every level it goes down to the PGA. Your um, first encounter with golf, the P- watching the vocational professional golf PGA on TV Pro. and then saying, I want to go and try golf. Well, well, no, well, well, no, no, no. That's, it's going to be a conversion factor thing. Like you're gonna I'm not saying it's completely unimportant. Yeah. I wonder genuinely about how important it is but as I, this shop front idea. I think this idea and this Netflix series ties into it is that, yes, most people who are watching golf play golf. And they've come into golf via their parents, grandparents, whatever. But the idea that people can be involved in wanting to watch golf who don't play golf, and that's their level of interest. That's the same with F1. No one's watching Drive to Survive and then going, I'm going to go buy a F1 car and drive around in it. Probably not a great analogy. I take your broader point. But, but that's How the, big do you think that market is potentially, though? Well, that's well, what F1. every other sport in the world is. Like the, You talk about rugby. My dad watches rugby religiously, mm. grew up in rugby. He doesn't play rugby anymore. Like, he, he's a valuable element to rugby because he pays for a streaming subscription just to be able to watch that. And golf doesn't do a good job of attracting that. And when people get a view of it and they realize how impressive these people are of at, at this game, they often can be interested in it. I'm not convinced about that. But, but uh, yeah. uh, how many... No, how I, many- I, I agree with you on golf. But why... You can see why the... Uh, heads of all the tours and the executives of everybody who's got anything to do with it would hope that it's worth a shot like, and, yeah. and give them the access. The money yeah. that it's brought into F1 is just staggering and because it's not – like uh, I think uh, I saw the a stat the other golf day. golf is already staggering for the size of it. I, bet it, I mean, it, it could be – I don't know. It, it's not just benefiting those professional golfers but bringing more money into the game generally to to help the game – at the grassroots level, I think, is something that professional golf could do a lot better job of. And, uh, you know, maybe there'd be just such an excess of money that you could do that if, if you, you attracted yeah, a right. golf. Well, you know, <laughs> the charter of, like, the USGA who are contrib- like can, um, cooperating with this series and um, the RNA is to do that, like, to make money so yeah, it's not can put the it back into the game. Uh, but, the USGA and the RNA have two events that do that, and they're the two opens. Yeah, and... You could make the argument, this gets back to the choices thing, the series could have focused on the majors, and in the end it kind of did in a de facto sense, um, but the, the whole narrative structure of the thing was such a mess. Like, uh, it's worth looking at this a little bit. The um, I want to come back to the F1, the money in F1 thing, but just this narrative structure has to be talked about because 
F1 in the early series, they only had access to one or two teams or a few teams, and they followed those teams for most of the season. And it was a little bit um, uh, isolated, and they they couldn't really tell that season-long narrative very well for those. They did within the team, and it was compelling. And, of course, you could tune in and watch it for yourself and understand what's going on and care about the fact that Haas won a point in, you know, at Bahrain or somewhere, like that's that sort of stuff. Yeah, I understood what was at stake and it was thrilling to watch as a spectator and as a fan. Um, in golf, uh, you can't, you've got these individuals which you have to take a punt on and then follow them for the whole season and hope they do something interesting. Or four something days at a time. World changing, yeah. Not an hour at a time. And four across days a much time. bigger playing field than <laughs> just the F1 paddock. And uh, then you, and you, you can't obviously follow the whole season in chronological order. So instead, they have to sort of reset the clock every episode in this series. So you start back at the start of the year. And after a few episodes, you're going, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, I keep getting dialed back in time to the start of the year. And how many times have I seen the PGA now? Yeah. The PGA Championship just came up time after time in this series. And they do have this sort of focal points where there's a bit of a gathering the, around the majors, although the Masters didn't get much coverage at all. No. Um, and... Uh, the U.S. Open had the potential to be this incredibly cinematic thing. I think the, the stage was so amazing there. Brookline was, looked fantastic on camera. And the few things they had of Matt Fitzpatrick playing Brookline in that misty sort of atmosphere looked amazing. Um, but it uh, they didn't really make best use of that. There was just so much of the PGA Championship. <laughs> and uh, I feel like you could have connected with it more if you understood that. This is the sequence that the majors occur in through the year, and this is the build-up for each one, and this is these are the focal points of golf. And then next year, or this year, sorry, you could do it again with the majors and then culminating in the Ryder Cup, and you've got a, a real season-long narrative there so that really you can build up to. important because of the Masters. Correct. what it means for Augusta. That's right. That's what it's all about. Yeah. And you have a season-long narrative that you can build up to, but of course they couldn't do that because they're having to follow individual players who don't interact with each other. I think... I think part of it is you, you're taking a punt on these players too. That none of, not really any of them won anything apart from Rory. Oh, Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and Fitzpatrick. J, JT they followed. So, but if you if you were following along with Joel Damon and you go through the period where he talks about how he doesn't actually think he's that good, you know, like mm-hmm. the, I think arguably one of the best quotes of the whole show is someone has to someone has to be the seventieth best yeah. golfer in the world. Might Why not me? Yeah. And then there's Again, Max would have been great in a YouTube series. Correct. Though. Yeah, like, but Max Homer is there talking about how he can't believe how he can't get Joel Damon to know that he's better than he thinks he is. If you had that building to this crescendo of Max Homer of Joel Damon winning last year, you've got something. But you, there's no guarantee he's going to win. There's no guarantee he's going to have a top ten. So. Going along with that season-long thing is fraught with danger that if you shoot that way mm-hmm. and these guys do nothing, it's like, oh, well. That's true for Rory, too. You could follow Rory all year and he might have he might have, his 20, he might have 2013. There again. is no guarantee. <laughs> it's nothing. There's no guarantee they're yeah. ever even going to no, contend. Right. You know, mm-hmm. to go back to F1, there's only so many teams, you know, they're going to have they're going to have a crescendo moment, be it a victory or a flame out or something like that. Mm-hmm. So... Golf even is, following the Williams team, like, were they going to even make the first practice in Bahrain with a car? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like there was, you, there's dramatic tension in yeah, everything. Yeah, there's, there's not that in golf because you get, if you're a player, you get so many opportunities. You miss a cut, yeah, you're disappointed, but then you get another chance next week. 
I think it was Huggy that tweeted the the mood music as Poulter had missed the cut and was all upset about it as he got onto his private jet to fly to the next venue. It's like, <laughs> yeah, no, you're really connecting with real Correct. people here in yeah. this yeah. place. Flying mean, his whole family private. Yeah, of course. It's, it's, well, it's, to his house in England when he's got his house in Florida, but they yeah. go over there for the summer. Well, you remember what happened last time he flew commercial. You know, they didn't even let the nanny come up in first class because, you know, she had to look after the kids. So the wife had to look after the kids on the plane all the way from the UK to America. He was distraught about yeah. it. it was a couple of years ago. But there's – yeah, I mean, that's where the the lower levels of golf has those interesting stories of guys battling away and everything like that. But that's – Monday Q Info. Yeah, Ryan that's right. has found that really rich vein yeah, and that's that golfers find. Where we've always known there's the more interesting stories. Which makes a great YouTube series. That's right. Which they put on YouTube with Fire Pit Collective. Yeah. But like, – which, it gets this the whole thing, like so much of this would be better suited to YouTube. Mm. Yeah. So it, we come back to the point. I'm not sure that golfers, I just can't see golf ever engaging non golfers because of a TV series that's something. The golf itself. They won't with that attitude. Well, the golf itself <laughs> just isn't that. It's chess. I just don't see how you do it. Chess did it with uh, the Queen's Gambit. There's been one fictional movie. No, no, Chess, is, Queen's Chess has had, an, I'll get some stats for you next week, some stats for you next week, but Chess has had an incredible boom. Chess.com. To the levels that golf now already is? Uh, well, relative to what Chess. Boom, it's had what, okay, what's the boom? Massive, looking it's for? had massive growth. More people watching professional golf or golf itself to somehow benefit by more people being introduced to and taking up the game and having a fulfilled life because of it? The latter. And would can it be done but through professional golf and television? Uh, potentially. Potentially, yeah. yeah. Mm, yeah. I'm not convinced. Well, yeah, again, not with that attitude. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, the, the money in F1, and this is, I think, goes to the potential for golf. Um, I, I, I like to imagine the boardroom conversations around this, right? So F1 had ESPN, I think, were paying something like $5 million a year for the F1 rights in the US uh, pre-2020. And Drive to Survive comes along and uh, they're, they're now paying $75 million a year for those rights um, for the coverage in the US. And there's three races in the US um, more than – it's gone from basically no, no coverage at all in the US to three races in the US. It's their most important market now. Uh, and Can't do that with golf. Uh, Golf's not. at the other end already, is it? Golf has already been overpaid for. Is that not true? In the US, perhaps, yeah. Yeah, in the US, yeah. for sure. Yeah. You had Tiger in 96. Yeah. Oh, we're talking about new, everything doubled and tripled. The US isn't necessarily the new market for golf, although there's probably a lot of unexplored golfers or, like, golf fans that can be found in the US. Yeah, I'm so not sure the analogy works. It's not like – I don't think it's tapped out. A little no, bit like I'm MotoGP, not, the motorbikes, the MotoGP, nothing in the US. Madness. Incredibly big sport in other parts of the world, and particularly in Europe – Drive to Survive could probably – that sort of thing could probably do that for them because the motorbike racing has that interest. And the US is this ridiculously this huge untapped market. Golf's not in that. Golf's at the other end of that where they've been overpaying because of Tiger for years and Tiger's no longer yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. So it's at the other end of that process of, okay, how do we now maintain this and do this? And then they've added in the, the live disruption. So I, I know what you're saying. It, Thank it you might, point, but I just don't think the opportunity might grow into – uh, well, I mean, still, there's, there's audience growth, right? Regardless could, of, yeah, of regardless course, of what the a, money is, of course maybe the audience, audience growth. growth is going to grow into the money that golf's been getting paid and then could exceed that. And again, whether the new audience is in the US, let's not focus on that. I'm sure there's a huge potential audience in the US that is untapped for golf. But, mm. um, you know, well, women. 
In, <laughs> absolutely. But in, in, in other markets all around. And it goes to the point, you know, would this be much better as a LPGA series? And maybe I, I've, I kind of think it would be infinitely better as an LPGA series. Why wouldn't you get the two world number ones and follow them for a year? Uh, potentially, mm. yeah. yeah. Although, again, you want that interaction. And, the, you know, the LPGA players play almost every week at least, mm. which is fantastic. So it's off to a better start. It's a much sort of tighter product. So And it, it could tie into that off-season thing. And the LPGA themselves, their own production crew, which has a much smaller budget, does a pretty damn good show, which they put out like weeks after each tournament. Yeah. Uh, where they follow players around and basically do the – Drive Full on, swing. Drive on, yeah. Yeah, the drive yeah. on series that they do is basically this on YouTube, which again gets to my point of like you could do 95% the same job as what this Netflix series does with YouTube production values um, part, and tell the same stories, basically. No, it's Part of the issue, I think, with the, uh, the concept of, oh, we'll just get the two best players in the world and follow them around. They have to be interesting. Not every golfer is interesting. Most aren't. Most aren't. So amazingly, Jordan Spieth was uninteresting in this. Yeah. Well, they made him uninteresting. Like, it well, was and, so plain. And, and you never know. I mean, Tiger's the great example of who knows how many, you know, walls they've put up around certain parts of themselves that they don't want. You know, it yeah, could Tiger be. Tiger won't give anything. Tiger's not going to give you anything, right? And, and never did. And some of those walls fell down and it was, oh, my God, look at this. But it, guys may have. That would have been amazing TV. Yeah, but if you let the cameras follow him for that, that would have been amazing too. But uh, that would have done something for golf. <laughs> It'd have been taken up. If yeah, that's there. right. But you, well, it helps that Tigers in contention every week, right? That's yeah. But but built built what we see now is professional golf. Yeah, but Tiger, there's there's walls put up for whatever reason, whether it's to do with sponsorships or whether you know it's just something whether a player has a partner who just doesn't want to be a part of it, and so there's a whole segment of their life that. You're not going to engage with you know Ian Poulter's wife clearly doesn't want to be on camera and doesn't want to be doing that much. So she's a small part of it, but his kids are sort of there. So you've got this kind of manufactured image of his home life. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's nothing like his home life. You know Brooks Kepka, you get much more of an idea where he's just sitting around with his with his wife who is happy to be doing it. Similarly, so, Dustin Johnson. And Paulina, I've really got a sense of what their life was like, and it's sweet and lovely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're a charming couple. You, you, you're gonna <laughs> often the best players aren't the interesting ones, and and you know they they're normal people too who are exceptionally talented at something. So you know their time away from the golf course is when you think, oh, I'm going to get a great insight, and it's like, well, if you followed Cam Smith around, it was just sitting around with his mates going fishing and drinking beers. It's like that might endear him to some people, but it also would not make for good television. Which I think comes back to the problem here is that there's if you're trying to appeal to non golfers with this show, you're probably not showing a lot of golf. Like that's that's starting point and, and number then one. You, then you get the wrong sort of people coming to the rugby, which was the whole yeah. point of the Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and if you do show golf, you've got to show it in a way that you've never seen it before. Correct. Like the, I think the some of the images from Drive to Survive that I find most compelling is well, after they've explained DRS and they start to set up the what's at stake in a race they say okay Verstappen has to overtake Hamilton in this situation and then they kept they they keep going to this really exciting camera angle that you don't see in the main coverage where they're just looking off the back wing and you see the um DRS shut as they as they pass the other car okay I gotta ask what is a DRS (laughs) that's that's the uh it's the system that they use to like um reduce drag when they're in a straight um, so, like the back wing 
opens up right. and they can go like faster. 10% faster or something like that. But you, you're only allowed to kick it in in certain parts of the track and you've got to be within a certain, like within a second of the car in front of you in order to be able to use it. And uh, so it's excellent for overtaking. So if you're within a second and you're in a straight, you can you can activate the DRS, gain that little bit of percentage and overtake the guy. Because it's always been the knock on F1, is it? There's not enough passing. That's so right. So it's not interesting. Whoever gets to the first corner first wins the race. That's right. And then as you go into the corner, they always cut this camera angle in the Drive to Survive series, not not at all in the F1 broadcast coverage, which is this differentiation that it has. And it's super exciting where you see the car get past the other car from this rear view and then you see the DRS snapshot and the sound effects and everything are so cool with it. And you just you get used to this rhythm of seeing that time and time again. So what's the golf equivalent? And, and it's so consequential Cameras as well. In the an, golf ball. an overtake is so consequential <laughs> as well. And it, it's really... Like that DRS snapping back into place is like a real sort of mm-hmm. – um, it's hanging a lantern on this really significant – So what's the golf – Piece of footage. The golf thing, I don't know. Uh, but, I, you know, the, the, uh, they didn't show it. I didn't see from this series what the exciting, consequential hanging a lantern on a moment thing is in golf. And, uh, you know, at best it's maybe – start like there was a few shots of them which I found vaguely exciting where they're starting off around – like they'd show Matt Fitzpatrick heading off on the final round on, on the first tee with a camera angle that's sort of right in front of him. That's your non-traditional sort of three-quarter, not, not your three-quarter view that you see on TV all the time, but like a front-facing view. Front. And you see his pre-shot routine. They showed a lot of that with Poulter actually showing. Yeah. He has this weird waggle that I've never really noticed before where he hovers the club and it's mm. very stiff and weird looking. Uh, that, that's as close as I think this came to showing a view of golf that golfers don't typically see. Um, and then, like, hitting that and then seeing the 10, 20 seconds after it where they hand the club to the caddy and they're walking off down the front of the tee chatting to the player next to them. A few of the moments that I found quite compelling were where DJ is hitting and he's got this distinct style of hitting, then reaching down pretty athletically to pick up his tee. Everything he does. In this movement where he picks his tee up and he's already got forward momentum going. He's he's just heading off the front of the (laughs) tee. And then he's got that walk. He's made of liquid, isn't he? (laughs) He really is. I think the great example of just how automatic it is for him is when they early COVID days, TaylorMade organized that match with him and Rory and I think Morikawa and someone else. And they were, it was, you know, social distance and all that. And, and DJ pumps a drive and picks up his tee. And I know exactly that move. One leg kicks and then he's already got forward momentum yeah. and he takes off. And one of the other guys goes, DJ, go pick up your own bag. Like he's, <laughs> that's he's right. that in the exactly. mold of just, I the do it and I do seminal. this. Yeah, he left yeah, his bag he's behind. Just, he's doing that. Yeah. But, and yeah, then I, the way he walks as well, especially when he's, they show him walking next to another player. You go, who is that? Great. Yeah, like if you gate. knew nothing about golf, great you'd be gate. like, who's great that? Great gate. Yeah, One of the world's great gates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like a gunslinger I think that's the, with a I think that is where you would get showing a different side is these guys who walk through and, and Rory has a gate that is different depending on how oh, he's playing. When he gets going and starts bouncing, bouncing his step, his little head starts bobbing exciting. up like Dickie Knee in front of the TV uh, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. hey, hey, it's Saturday Fair. <laughs> like it... It, I think that's where you could get it when they're walking through a crowd of people and people sort of – other players notice DJ. DJ's one of those guys. They see him yeah. every week. You but knew you nothing noticed. about golf. No, that's right. And looked at the whole field, you would know that that's one of the yeah. top players. I remember it was, I think it was the 2015 Open. He, DJ played with Spieth the first two days. And DJ, I think he might have ended up – wasn't he leading after 36 holes and shot 
crazy rounds on the weekend and finished. But I remember thinking at the time, they hit off the 18th. You watch them walk off the scene. It's like, if you didn't play golf, you'd look at these two and go, how is that little guy even in the same field as this guy? Mm-hmm. That's not right. He doesn't look like – DJ just looks like – it wouldn't matter what sport it was. If you gave him a tennis racket, he'd look the same. You'd be like, oh, he'd be the best tennis player in the world, I mean, wouldn't he? Yeah, it, and that's the thing. You have to get fortunate with the outcome of it. But that's where maybe you're going to get the appeal of golf to non-golfers. If, if you had DJ – juxtaposed against Matt Fitzpatrick <laughs> with his braces and like nerdy little move <laughs> and stats doing his stats since he's 12 years old and yeah. whatever and that these two guys look at the physical differences and the, the way they are and the way they live their lives different and they're contesting head to head and there's actually parity is an interesting point for the game. That's that's a unique thing in, in sport, in professional sport. But you have to get lucky that they bob up at the same tournament. And now it's just not going to happen. If, you, if you're looking at how we're going to improve this show next year, those guys are going to play against in the same field four times. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to play in the same group. And yeah. they're probably not going to contend in the same event. And so you don't get that chance. And because you're only pl- getting so many players, you're just not going to get it. But that's where if you could show that and show the different preparation and get them being honest... But again, the guys that I don't care and whatever show up and hit a lot of golf balls and prepare and do all that sort of stuff. There's no Bruce Litskys anymore who show up and don't, you know, there's that that doesn't exist because it's such a streamlined professional sport. So, you know, there's no you, you look at DJ and you think of him as this alpha dog, but he's also a guy who works hard at it and does all that sort of stuff. So you can't it's not a mercurial talent, which is kind of what you need to make this kind of interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and there's and the players alone can't carry the series. You need these no. peripheral people like your, your Toto Wolfs and your Christian Horners and Gunter Steiners. And there's 140 of them to pick from every week, and they'll be different every week. How would you know which ones are going to do them? Well, that, that's right. But you need the, where's the trainers and the and the the agents and the managers and the wives and you're all of never going to get that. <laughs> well, they have a little bit of it. Like Matt Fitzpatrick's mum gets a fair bit of coverage in the. Uh, US Open and she's fantastic and his brother as well and uh, Mito Pereira's wife is in the PGA thing quite a lot and she's fantastic and they actually use her pretty well where they're showing those consequential moments where he's hold a putt and uh, you know on his way to potential victory and you see her understand what's going on and pump pump a fist and like get all excited about it and then when it's all going wrong as well the camera's just 100% focused on her and showing her reaction yeah um, but in the end, I don't, I don't think enough was made of that. Like, it's no, not yeah. – you're not bit, bit waiting for are... Mito Pereira's wife to be a star of the next season. No. It's uh, – just somehow they just didn't find a superstar in the whole series, except, I think, for Rory, I think. Um, and people, again, for some reason really criticise this Rory episode. But to me, he was the only standout, yeah. um, real genuine superstar that you're going to turn on – a non-golfer is going to turn on that, see, oh, that guy's really important – and they, they built him up. They teased him through the whole series as well. You yep. know how they do that? At yeah, the end yeah. of every episode, they'd show a little flash of a Rory interview or something. So they're teasing episode eight the whole way through, and then they, they show you episode eight. I thought it was super exciting. Non-golfers would get it, that yep. he's the star. And then they go and turn on the golf every week, and he's probably in he's contention. Star, yeah. yeah so. Now, here's the question. So within golf, it's been enormous. There's been nothing but talk about this for the last couple of weeks. You know, this has been the biggest thing I can remember that's not about an actual golf tournament or major in golf, aside from the live split, but I can't recall anything like this. So there's been numerous podcasts dedicated to breaking down each episode, and it's all quite weird. How's it gone outside of golf? Like, Do we know? 
which is the no, I don't think the, we know the yet. Key but market. I don't. I if I were bold enough to make a prediction, I would say it's not going to have the impact on the non-golf audience that they're hoping it's going to have. I'd say you'll get from talking to people I know, not not golfers. You'll get one or two episodes viewed, but not watch the whole series, which is the shame of Rory being the last one, that there's not this thing that's going to keep them going all the way. Um, a little bit of interest. It's going like it, it's showing up on, on Netflix charts as currently performing well. Yeah. So I'm imagining there's quite a few people watching it, but whether they're watching the whole thing and, and sticking solid is another question I imagine. Um, and, and it needs to, the true test will be if season two, if it happens, if they go ahead with season two, they probably will. I, I'm guessing they'll probably so, yeah. go ahead, let this play out. Um, but will the audience that have been disappointed by, like they, so you get a bunch of Joel Damon fans, new Joel Damon fans from non, the non-golf audience, they go and watch golf for the next six months or eight months or whatever it's going to take before we get to see the new series because it was very slow coming out as well. And then they go, oh, okay, well, that thing disappointed me. Like, and then season two's ratings might be down the toilet. So, and that'll be the end of it. So, um, this is all done. Obviously, the, the biggest question before this started was, will the PGA Tour just let these people roam around unfettered? Did you get a sense that they did, Jimmy? Is it unfettered or is there, no, is there state-controlled media things in place there? There's a little bit of that. I think they probably started to get more and more access as the year went on and this live stuff came to be uh, a concern. So, Do you reckon that's why Rory did it? I get back to that. I think they were cursed with too much access. I, I that, that gave them far too much choice. I, 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 I did see a thing about Chad Mum talking about, you know, first event of the year was that they did was Tory Pines. Um, and the, the broadcast told them, you know, don't worry about it. You can go anywhere you want. You can get access to anything you want. That's a broadcast. I think the tour, you know, if there is definitely not unfettered access because you don't get an insight into these. Well, they started off like walking onto the greens and being right up in the face of everything, didn't they? And then they got told, well, you've got to pull it back a little bit. Yeah, but like like, I don't think the access is about the actual golf going on. It's about the inside and whatever. And, you know, you've been around golf tournaments a long time and I know it's the most interesting stuff happens away in conversations and there's not enough of that that's the genuine stuff that – you would find that will actually be interesting to people, whether they're golfers or non-golfers, um, because you just have to hang around and players aren't going to talk the way that you're going to find interesting stuff no, when there's a camera around. As soon as you're well, there was the some tape recorder with two players. They stopped well, talking. That's players talking saying to me, if, you know, the casual conversations we have and uh, are we going to change, like, the, the manner of this conversation when you turn the recorder on? Yeah, of course we are. It's, that's I'm going to, you're going to, that's fine. That's, that's the way it works. And it's very obvious that... You know, there's a practice round in the Ian Poulter episode which playing with Pat Perez and someone else. And it's performative. Yeah. What is going oh, on is exceptionally... Where they're talking about Pat Perez somehow off the top of his head knows everybody's social media numbers. Yeah. It's like Ricky Fowler has such and such million yeah. followers. And, it's oh, ex- no, he collects sneakers. It's, so maybe it's exceptionally be, performative. That was that bizarre. Part. And that is when the interesting is, I, I talk, talk about it all the time, yeah, practice day is the most interesting to watch the players play golf and work out a golf course and hit different shots, compete against each other, but the conversations are the best too. Mm. And... You know, the tournament itself is just they're playing playing golf and trying to hit the lowest score. That's that's fine. That says they got some incredible snippets of audio. They got Mito Pereira hitting it into the water. This is you know, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, it's this everyone knows this happened. Um, 
the mid up hitting into the water and going, I effed it up on the last hole yeah. to his caddy. As soon as he gave him back the club, I effed it up on the last hole. What an incredible thing to have captured. And then they got Rory getting a massage saying, F you, Phil Mickelson or something. And then they got him on the range saying, take that um, uh, Pat Reed for, you know, your world ranking points or something for some. That's performative too, though, is it not? Absolutely. Yeah, they're pretty cool things for Rory to be saying, though, I think. And, and he's had to... They've captured that and then he's had to sign a release for that stuff. They've, they've had to sign a release for everything. Rory actually talked... I think the boundaries that they had were also set by the players. Like, Rory wouldn't allow any footage of him in his car or, like, before or after the tournaments so got with family. Is it a mess? I've seen the back of his car once family. at a US Open or something. There was family like a hundred shoes in there and they yeah, were maybe. just all over the Maybe place. that's it. It was just it's a mess. <laughs> just a mess. Yeah. No, no, no. You can't come in here. No, no. I haven't tidied up. <laughs> Excuse the car. I think that's, I think that's one of those. Pack of smokes in the center <laughs> console. <laughs> Can of Budweiser in the drinks holder. A no mon- filming in the Monster energy drink and a pack of Marlboro Reds. Yeah, that's right. That's how Rory wakes up. <laughs> Make America great again, huh? I think that's the thing is that the players have clearly dictated what is – and, of course, they do. They, they, that has well, it's to another be. unique thing about golf, isn't it? So if in your F1 series, you've got the sponsors of the teams and the drivers all pretty unique. In golf, individually, they're all out with their own sponsors. Their managers are doing deals with people who've got nothing to do with golf. It's a much bigger mess. Golf has always been – It's a mess. It is. For the players – yeah, but I, I think it kind of works – you ha- you've had people suggest that there should be one overarching ruling body of golf and the thing would be united and it'd be much better. I'm not necessarily convinced. The fact that none of the four majors are owned by the PGA Tour, I think, has been a good thing for That's the good. game. Yeah. yeah. And it, whereas if you were to make a model, you'd say, well, one, surely one entity should own the four most important events and then they could do. But it, it works better for golf. They're more like the tension ropes that hold up a tent golf rather than some sort of a structure that is fixed. And golf lends itself to that, unlike most other sports, I think. Mm. And so the problem with these notions of having 20 weeks all squashed into this and contracted players and all of those sorts of things, you get something, but you miss out on something else which golf does better than other sports, which is that secondary league I think stuff. There's, there's room for both. It, it, I think you need a premier tour in the world that has that. And then the rest of the year is everything else that you've described. I think there's better ways to do what we do, but loosely. Would anybody be comfortable with the notion that the PGA Tour owned professional golf worldwide? Would that be good for the game? Yeah, no. No. Or any other single entity, because everything would just end up being the PGA Tour if there was one entity that owned the game worldwide. That's the point I guess I'm making. Mm. Yeah, the problem is its influence. The, the, the problem and the, and the advantage of golf of professional golf is its influence beyond professional golf. And, yeah, what makes me uncomfortable about that second scenario is some an entity like the PGA Tour being perceived as being the peak body of golf in the world that does nothing for amateur golf, which is the like still the vast majority of golf. I mean, not even... Which is exactly what non-golfers think. In fact, they just yeah. think it's called the PGA. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that, uh, yeah, that is concerning. Yeah. They do, yeah. And there's not a lot of... <laughs> Like there's in the show, there's the explanations of things like par and whatever. There's not a lot of explanation about different tours and about what golf Too complicated. is. Complicated people's eyes glaze over. It's very complicated, but it's also kind of obviously it started with uh, involvement with the PGA Tour, so they don't necessarily want to explain that they're not the all powerful place that all golf happens on. So I don't think it 
it wants to or does a good job of necessarily explaining that there's all these different places where people play like this and that there's different levels of this. And um, that's going to be the interesting thing that if there is a season two, if it's only focused on the PGA Tour or if it goes to live and covers live events and all that sort of stuff, I mean... You'd think live would welcome them with open arms, wouldn't they? Yeah. You'd think so. Liv really got short shrift in this season. Um, And interestingly, I don't think they made enough of the tension between Liv and PGA Tour. It was very disappointing. The way it was unfolding, would it have been feasible to have done that as they were filming? No, and it's golf's fault again because, like, you had DJ who they had access to as the kind of premier Liv player through most of the year until Cam Smith came along. Cam Smith sort of was really a peripheral character we got weird coverage actually in the final episode with rory and you had rory who's the flag bearer for the pga tour so they had access eventually to both of the premier players there but again they just don't interact with each other no. so you can't set up any tension between it and in fact even though they both the dj the part clubs. of it fell flat because when they tried to ask dj a controversial question about live he just shut it down so thoroughly that uh, you know, you just you felt like you're just shrinking away from the screen uh, because of the force of his personality just shutting it down. DJ doesn't do controversy. Yeah, <laughs> he just doesn't. Yeah, it, it was a magnificent sort of flex. He legitimately doesn't care what people think, yeah, and that's pretty rare. Didn't Lots care. of people say it, but very no, few people legitimately really don't care. care. <laughs> he just does not care. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think again, a lot of them. There's this genuine tension between those players. A lot of them. There's not. I mean, we spoke to Jason Day yesterday and someone said something about, you know, if you get into the Masters, which you're tracking to do, you know, is it going to be exciting? Is it going to be – it's going to be awkward with these guys that are coming back? And he said, I miss those guys. So I've, I see these guys every week for however many years. I miss those guys. They're my friends. You're starting to see a lot of that already. Shane Lowry this morning was talking about, I hope there's no bad blood if the live players qualify for the Ryder Cup. And yeah, know, the, the players they, are starting to try they, and yeah, like tone it was down. This, big thing and some of them will be you know whatever but as jason said the guys who've voiced their strong opinions on it will have an awkward situation to deal with but the rest of us it's just like hey i haven't seen that guy that i've seen for the last 20 years of my life every other week i'd like to see them again so you know it's if you're sort of looking well, they're not for barred from america they're just not allowed to play the pga tour so if you really want to catch up with them you go out to dinner jace well, not many of them are coming yeah. to Ohio on their weeks know. off. I've got to tell you, I don't think they really see each other much. A lot of them don't. No. Like that's the that and that probably. It's what European players have always is, said, hasn't it? Is that yeah. in Europe it's a much more collegial, used to be a much more collegial sort of an atmosphere, and you'd all be out to dinner together. In fact, I heard Harrington talking about this on the Are You Not Entertained podcast. Well worth a listen. He's quite good with um, Giles Morgan, talking about going to America. Now, who was the player he talked about? It was a Swedish player. Invited, you know, he started his year in March, and this guy had been there. He got his card that year, not a particularly well-known player. Got his card in America. He'd been there for eight weeks already. And Harrington gets him and goes, "Oh, yeah, you want to come out to dinner?" And the guy goes, "Yeah, I haven't been out of my my hotel room for eight weeks. Yeah, hadn't been to dinner with anybody. Hadn't interacted with another player. Hadn't had a social interaction in eight weeks." And that's very much the PGA Tour versus the European Tour, I think. No, that's the Nicholas Colsart story about when he went over there yeah. and just hated so, it. Yeah, so be the same. Greg Turner, yeah, and Michael Campbell, yeah, the same. The, just couldn't deal with this idea that you know all the players stay in the same places and go out to dinner together, and you go over there and you stay in another Motel Six, and there's n- no one organises anything to go and do something together, and it's into bed early because you've got an early morning tea time and all that sort of stuff. It just it's not the same thing, right? Yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, thumbs up, all up, Logue. Thumbs down, thumbs sideways. Yeah, I mean, depending on which prism you view it through, 
as a golfer, thumbs up. It's enjoyable. It, it, that, that was the easy bar for it to hurdle over. Um, for a non-golf audience, I, I, I don't not think it's going to succeed. How would you know? I don't, but I, <laughs> I, who, and so who knows, but my prediction would be that it's not going to succeed. Um, from a Netflix perspective, which is this whole other thing where they're going to look at algorithms and churn rate and all sorts of other performance metrics, I suspect it's probably not going to succeed there either. But I think it will succeed enough to get a season two. If you'd had Tiger, would all of that be different? Yeah, mm, you still don't see. If you have it the, still doesn't tie into the coverage because no, you don't see him week after week. So if you have the, if you have the, matter. even if you People don't pay to watch him read the paper, as Ferretti said. If once. you yeah. if you don't have him as a star character of sit down interviews and all that, but if you had him as a presence on tour last year, which they did not really have, the he adds. Delaware, he adds so pieces. much. Mm. Just having a camera yeah. that when Tiger arrives somewhere, mm-hmm. and you've seen it that. Everyone mm. knows he's there. I guess he and becomes a pre- non-playing character like a Toto Wolf or something. Yeah, that's right. Just he's just present. He's just, present. If you see him walk onto the range, everyone notices. And if you had him there regularly, which he's just not going to be. He's only going to be playing the majors and one or two other events. So his presence into showing up at that meeting at the tournament last year, if you'd captured that, mm-hmm. that this guy's flown in so every other top player dropped everything to yep. be there. That's the sort of thing that could really add to it. And then if you get him once or twice talking. So if the PJ Tour had listened to me, signed with Premier Golf League, given Tiger a team, Mm -hmm. he could have been there for the whole year. Yep. And as a team captain, as a team owner. A lot better better shape. That product would be suited to this type of series a lot. It does, though, point out, does it not? Um, what both a gift and in some ways a burden Tiger's been for the game. Mm -hmm. It's pretty straightforward. He who owns Tiger owns golf, basically. Same for Liv. It won't be true forever. If they, it true. won't, no, it won't be, but much more so than Palmer, Nicholas, Norman, any other character you'd ever care to name, Tiger has been, you know, he's on that Mount Rushmore of sports people, yeah. you know, with Jordan and Ali and mm-hmm. a real, I mean, if Liv had managed to get Tiger, oh. Liv's story would be completely different. Absolutely, without question. And I think the way Tiger's been his whole career and whatever has influenced the way the other players are that makes it difficult for something like this to break through and get mm. genuinely interesting stuff as well. Um, but it's a hell of a thing to carry if you're Tiger, isn't it? Well, He's probably, carried a whole sport on his back for yeah. the best part of two and a half decades. But probably where golf ended up at the end of last year as the live thing sort of worked its way through and the, then the PJ Tour and what Tiger and Rory have created with this simulate a virtual league and all that sort of stuff. If Full Swing was starting this year, with the, there's probably a lot more cooperation, a lot more widespread things that they can do. So that's the thing of it. If it does get a second season, season they're going to get more interesting content out of it. Yeah, and that, people forget that season one of Drive to Survive wasn't, uh, it didn't hit it out of the park either. We're yeah. up to season five, I think, coming out soon. So the season one is kind of to convince the people internally yeah. that it's worth being a part of. And to Mercedes get and Red Bull didn't two. take part in season one. Okay. They they had coverage of them, much like Tiger. They just had a bit of coverage of him in this, but they didn't have him for sit-downs and didn't have his cooperation of his, of his team. But, the uh, yeah, same with Mercedes and Red Bull. Once they saw it was a success in season one, they, they took part, and now everybody is taking part. Um, so, yeah, you might get that. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, it, it feels... Once they've seen what a great thing it's done for Ian Poulter's career, they can't get on board. It helped it, Ian Poulter, like, they've got to take the burden away from, like, looking after golf from Ian Poulter. They, 
they Netflix is clearly looking for the next sport. I mean, they've done the same thing with tennis yeah, and the same right. thing with surfing. They're looking for the next sport. Is that they part of the problem? They've done the same thing? Correct. This was Shackleford's this point, wasn't sh- it? Point. And this yeah, is the exactly. problem of success, off-brand. isn't it? Yeah. Once you've had success with something, you turn into what you've always tried to disrupt, which is And you dilute that formula. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. And that's yeah, that's everything, and particularly in professional sport, that a, a team has success, so people copy their sort of game plan as to how they do it and then you end up with a sport where it's so so nullified interest AFL went through it years ago where shut down defences became such a thing and then low point scoring games were the result and then the product is not as good so it's the, a team like winning a, a team identifies the way to win but it doesn't mean it's the most exciting thing you know golfers PJ Tour started having more people pay attention, more sponsors, and so let's play more events because then, and then suddenly we've just got forty-eight weeks of the same thing, and so that's what it feels a bit like. This is but not just in one place. Forty-eight weeks of it in America, forty-eight weeks of it in Europe. We have four yeah. or five weeks of it here in Australia. Plus, you got Japan and you got Asia, and there's kind of too much golf. Who was it? I think it was Clay. I don't know, I can't remember who Clayton quotes about this, but it's a to tell anyone. It's a, everybody tries to copy the best. The best never copy anybody. So Tiger comes along, everyone tries to be like Tiger. You see this, you know, the fitness and the gym and all that sort of stuff, you know, but Tiger never copied anybody. He was just Tiger. I think that'll do us. Well, a couple of, oh, where's I your just chest stats? A couple you're of gonna, things. You're going to no, slay no, me I'll with come, your chest no, I'll stats. I'll come back to chest stats some other time. Uh, but no, we won't. People will just be disappointed. <laughs> we'll have a whole episode on chess. Uh, people will just be disappointed that we didn't mention Tony Finau and Colin Moncow. There was a whole episode. Lovely people. Tony, lovely nice people. people. Didn't land on me that episode at all. I, I might be dead inside, but it was... I <laughs> know. Oh, I can tell you what dead inside feels like, and you're not <laughs> that. It was okay, It was good. It was good. Again, I, I feel like it would be 95% the same and as good as a as a YouTube series. Uh, and say the Gala and Mito Pereira had a whole episode as well, um, which I thought was pretty flat, um, actually. But and I wonder how people much want to mention that. And also the talking heads, there was Sean Foley, Amanda Renner, uh, Dylan Deathier. Deathier. Um, who else was there? I don't know. Daniel Rapport. Daniel Rapport. We didn't. We didn't mention them, but they didn't really get a lot of room to colour up the coverage at all. I thought it was pretty. I thought pretty Dylan was probably from them. Uh, of them didn't, was, was probably the best of it. Yeah, yeah it was good. And Amanda Renner, but not not their fault. I don't think they were given. No. Uh, it's an odd collection of people to add colour to it. Like Sean Foley is this talking head in it, and he came across. Succinct, which, yeah, which is yeah, surprising. Normal, Must have been a triumph of editing to make him succinct. But like his in yeah. his in terms of being a tour coach and former coach to Tiger, there's none of his players are actually featured. Really? Yeah, it's a stretch. So to, it's like to maintain the, his relevance. Yeah, what's it? the no, connection here to? Well, they're looking for something interesting. Who's an interesting voice in coaching? He looks interesting. And everyone too. would have said Sean Foley's the most interesting bloke in coaching. Go and get Sean Foley. And he came across very good, but I think that was a triumph of editing. Interesting question for you. You, you talked about the Finau. Was it Finau and Morikawa and the Pereira, uh, the Gala episodes? Yeah. Okay. Would a non-golfer have found them more interesting than you did? Yeah, what, is again, that tainted by the, the golf Damon fan thing, thing again? Though, where yeah, you might be, you might come away from this. If you had no idea whether Rory was more important than Thagala, would that would that make that episode more? I, interesting? I just, there's it's nothing wrong with the episode. Like you might become away a massive Thagala fan, but then you go and tune, which would be the right thing to do into the, the week to week product yeah, though, because you come away from it and you go, "Where's Thagala?" Like I, I tuned in because I want to watch Thagala. I'm a massive Thagala fan now. What's, how's he doing this week? We oh. need in Series 2 a golfer called Wally because I want people saying, where's Wally? <laughs>
That's what we need. <laughs> I think I think the people who are golf fans but not deep fans of players on the PGA Tour would like those episodes and come away with a new appreciation. But I don't think an, a non-golfer is going to find anything about those players that fascinates them. Interesting stuff. Well, that's it. The uh, it's full swing. Mm-hmm. Thumbs up from Logue. Go watch it. See how you feel about it. Thanks, Logue. What is that association called? You've got a... Don't you get free access to movie reviews? Or no, something? I'm not. I'm not a card carrying member of the Australian Film Reviewers Guild or whatever it is. I'm not. I thought you were. No, no. I inquired, what your I inquired about membership, and they they I never, they never heard back. I don't. I don't think it's a very serious organisation. Well, you definitely <laughs> got here now that you've said not, they're not a serious. Organization. Not with that attitude, <laughs> there won't be no. Let yeah. Logue in. I look. Vote one Logue. Is that a thing we can get going? <laughs> One load. Make low great again. Make low great again. Yes. Very happy with my very obscure niche of movie reviewing <laughs> uh, golf movies. So. Uh, what's the next movie review, by the way, in the mag? Uh, superb movie, Pat and Mike, uh, which is a Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn comedy. Um, by far the best movie I've reviewed in that whole series. Oh, Catherine Hepburn. Maybe not. It's, it's a really good movie. It's maybe not the best movie. Good player. She, she, she was a good player. She was, she was a good yeah, golfer. A single-figure player. The golf coverage in this is excellent. And it uh, also features Babe Zaharias quite a lot. Oh, right. Okay. So there, if, if anyone's not familiar with that, that's one of sports' great golf stories, Babe Zaharias. How many gold medals did she win at the Olympics in various sports and sort of drifts over to golf and wins a bunch of majors? Yeah, and in a way, Catherine Hepburn's playing Babe Zaharis because she's a multi-sport athlete. And, uh, Came to Australia, you know, played in the New South Wales Men's Open. Babe Zaharis. Oh, did she? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Outdrove Dan Cullen right. comfortably. I spoke to Dan Cullen today. He said, oh, she was a magnificent player. Hit it well past me, he said. Yeah. Anyway, so. great movie. Highly recommend it. Fantastic. Thank yeah. you. Jimmy, thank you, mate. Thank you. That's it for episode, this episode of the Good Good Golf Contest. We'll be back again next week.